Hi everyone, welcome to HubShot's episode 251. In this episode, we talk about the psychology of A-B test and measure and the studies that have reversed that and what that means for us as marketers and how does that motivate us to do more A-B testing in HubSpot. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks and strategies for growing your sales, service, marketing and now operations results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm well, Ian, and quite interested in this uh, little article that I found on psychology tests and how they've been reversed. I've put reversed in air quotes because it really just means debunked. Going to talk about this more in shot eight later, but just very quickly to give uh, listeners a bit of a, a taste of what it talks about. It's looking at all these psychology tests that have often come out in popular literature, Malcolm Gladwell, etc., about these findings and the fact that they can't be replicated. And so often they're reversed just because people actually find that actually they can't be replicated and therefore they're probably not actually statistically confident. We're going to chat about that in a bit more detail and also what it means for marketers and how that relates to our own testing. And on to our quick shots of the week, Craig. And we love workflows and this is the first one. There are 12 fresh new templates in workflows to automate. Now, there are so many things you can do in workflows, but this is a great starting point. And so, some of the most common things that they've added is nurturing a first conversion, sending a notification when a meeting is booked or scheduled, sending confirmation emails for events. And this is interesting. It obviously shows that people are doing events now and they need those reminders that are going out. One that's really common that we have done often is celebrating anniversaries, plus many more. The next one is syncing companies with the data sync functionality within HubSpot. And finally, Craig? What's this, a collaboration sidebar? That's right. So, the collaboration sidebar is now available in website, landing pages, and blogs. And you would have seen this, I think it's also in ads and a few other places within the system. And this is available to professional enterprise users. So, what this enables you to do is if you are on a, let's say, a landing page, at the top right-hand side, there's a little bar that you can basically collaborate with people without leaving the tool. So, if someone on your team, you need some feedback on, say, the imagery or the text within the page, you can say, at Craig, uh, let me know if the images I've used on this landing page are okay. And they get notified and then they can respond back. And it's in a nice little uh, sidebar that shows all the comments. Yeah, look, this is really nice. And do you remember, I reckon we talked about this like three to five years ago (laughs) when we talked about Salesforce chatter. Yes. We talked about chatter and we're like, I wonder how many pieces of that will end up in HubSpot because it's such a good idea. Get everyone into HubSpot where, you know, that's, that's the place they collaborate. And it's happening. It's great. It's really good. That's right. And I think what we're seeing is it's happening more across all of the tools to keep people within the tool and engaged, which is fantastic. All right. On to HubSpot Marketing Feature of the Week, Craig. And this is all about A-B testing website and landing pages. And I thought, firstly, let's start with what is A-B testing? And A-B testing, also known as split testing for some people, is a process of showing two variations of the same page to different segments of website visitors at the same time and comparing which variation drives more conversion. And the ability to test pages and landing pages within HubSpot is relatively easy, I think, when I compare it to other tools that we've used in the past. 
And so, one of the things we wanted to highlight was one of the really simple things you can do, as I've given in a screenshot, is one of the tests we've been running is putting less content on a page. So, understanding how much content is driving conversion. And it's very interesting to understand this example is that people at a particular state of journey are obviously looking for more content. And in this case, the time on page with which has less content has done really badly. So, but there's not any statistical significance to stop it now. So, I want to keep it going to see based on that how much more this is going to affect the page or this test is going to affect the outcome on the page. But it's a great thing to test if you're thinking about testing. Yeah, look, I really like this. And I think it's good to start with an example like this because later on in the show, when we talk about testing in general, having this example in mind, I think it's going to be really helpful. And there are two uh, great resources. Also, if you get the show notes, it's about how to do A-B testing. It's a great piece of pillar content from HubSpot. And another one that was really good that we did come across was an A-B testing guide from Visual Website Optimizer, also known as VWO now. All right, onto our sales feature of the week, Craig, and looking at property history and understanding why a task got created. And this came from one of our much-loved customers, and they were like, I've got this task, and I don't know why, where it's coming from. And so, I kind of went through the property history. So, listeners, if you don't know, on a contact, on a company, you'll see this as a little button below the main section on the left-hand side, and you can actually view your property history or view all the changes. And what I essentially did was we went through that and we looked to see when uh, the task was created and what potentially created the task. And we discovered a workflow that someone had created that created this task for and that got assigned to a salesperson that's no longer there. But it was a really good reminder that when you've got sequences that are creating tasks, you've got workflows that are creating tasks, and if you don't name things correctly, the trouble you can get into very quickly and understanding where it is so you can troubleshoot the problem really well quickly and understand what's happening in the timeline when this is taking place. So another another tip is make sure you name your task correctly or have some sort of identifier to know where things are happening or where it's being generated from. So an example was the other day with a customer of ours, we have a quite a long initial workflow that someone goes through and there are multiple tasks potentially that get generated out of that. So we numbered it based on the step that the task was in. So we could easily identify that something failed at this particular point or we know that someone exited at this point when this task got created. So it was a really good way to easily pinpoint where that was happening. What about the email marketing feature of the week, Craig? A-B testing and marketing emails. Yeah, look, and this is another good example you've put here about you can A-B test easily in emails. And what do you find is the main thing that you test straight away or the easiest thing to test, Ian? Subject lines, Craig. And again, this this is an easy way that HubSpot the first thing you can do in HubSpot is to test your subject lines of your emails. Now, Craig, what's some little bits of gold that you can give listeners? Okay, so one of, uh, one of the things we've been testing with one client, take this as a suggestion, not as, you know... Gospel. A recommendation, necessarily, but we've, we're actually testing emoticons, or are they emojis? I always forget. Yep. In subject lines, testing at the start. 
Personalization, of course, is another good one to test in subject line. Some people like it. Some people don't. Have you found that? I, yeah, exactly. I actually find that myself when I see in the subject line my name, I automatically think, oh, hello, here's, an, here's, an, here's a marketing email. So, I'm less inclined to open it. However, other people who might not be aware, of, they, they do like the personalization. So, it depends on the industry that you're in. But that's the beauty of test and measure, isn't it? Check exactly. what works. Absolutely. And so, listeners, this is the most simplest test you can do to start off with. And essentially how it works is that it would choose a sample size of data. So, essentially what HubSpot does by default is it it will do a distribution of a 25% test on each variation before it sends the remaining 50%. And generally that test has to have over a thousand recipients that it can do it, do it with. And also it uh, spreads it over a time base of four hours to run that test before it sends the final uh, winner out to the recipient. So, just be aware of that when you're sending emails. Now, Craig, we were talking about the interesting thing when we see things put in front of us and the psychology of people in the system. And what we have discovered recently is we see a test status column in HubSpot for landing pages, for website pages. And and what has this done, Craig? Well, right. And it's there, by the way, I'll just explain what it means in case people aren't sure. But the test status shows whether you're actually running a test on that page. Have you set up an A-B test on the landing page, for example? But what we were wondering is, and we're going to get a bit meta here, I guess, is HubSpot testing something in their interface to see whether by having a testing column, they can encourage people to run more tests, right? So, sorry, it sounds like I'm in the inception at this point. But it's really interesting. And so, I I always like to see, because the user interface, very precious commodity, right? So, if you're going to take up a whole column in the default listing with test status, it must be because someone has said, yeah, they've thought about this. It wasn't just whacked on there without any thought. Really interested to see it. But it shows that HubSpot are really pushing this whole testing line. And of course, that's what led to this entire episode that we're recording now around testing and also the psychology behind it. And so, wanted to highlight this and maybe it will prompt you, if nothing else, to set up a test on a landing page. They can be really simple or as we noted earlier in the show. And the other thing you can do, I've got some screenshots in the show notes, is you can very easily filter out to see which of your pages have actually got a test status assigned to them. You can also, um, you know, view on variations and things like that as well. But yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, Ian? It is. And you know what? Ever since that column has appeared, I have got countless questions from people that we deal with in businesses about, oh, I need to run a test. And I'm pretty sure it was prompted by seeing that column and where it says that there is no test running. Like I was talking to you before, Craig, I think this is something that people think that almost like I've served you something on a on a plate and I'm and you can see you're not gonna eat it, or you haven't eaten it, and it's kind of glaring in your face, going, Why is it not eaten? And that's kind of what this column's doing to people. It's like, why is this not being used? You need to use it. So I think it's very clever. And it's definitely encouraged people that we work with to think about running more tests and how they can run more tests. Because I think the first part is, yes, we want to run one, but then what do we want to achieve by running the test and what do we want to test? So, a bit of thought is required, but I think it's well worth the thought and the execution to get the result. All right, on to our marketing tip of the week. Beware of your biases. 
I thought this was important to highlight before we get on to the actual testing psychology piece, because if you're not even aware of your biases, you can actually go into a test, dooming it to failure right at the start. And to illustrate that beautifully, I've put in the show notes this sketch from Sketchplanations, which is a wonderful site. And I'll describe it to you because it can be described, but you, you should really see it for the full effect. Someone's highlighting they've run this test where what we did is we sent out a survey to people asking if they like responding to surveys. And amazingly, we received almost a 100% response rate. Sorry, a 100% of the responses said that they love responding to surveys. Right. So, the implicit bias there, of course, if you don't, you won't respond and therefore your results won't be reflected. So, I think everyone can understand the idea. And so, with that in mind, I was like, right, how have we fallen into these biases ourselves and also with our clients? And I thought I'd just uh, mention a few of the common ones. So, the most common bias we get from customers, and I fall into this trap myself, is thinking we know where our customers will be. So, they often say, oh, look, our customers aren't on, you know, insert your social channel. Our customers aren't on Facebook. They're all on LinkedIn. Or, oh, our customers aren't on LinkedIn. They're on Instagram. They state these things without any evidence. And so, what we like to do and what I I try to catch myself doing is to say, oh, okay, I'm going to call that an assumption or an hypothesis and I want to test it. And so, some others are, look, our customers don't want to read about insert topic X. They want to read about topic Y. Have we tested that? Have we actually looked at the analytics? Have we actually checked it? And then the the big one we get is, and this is normally from a CEO who's not at all involved in marketing or anything. They'll say, oh, we want to rank for, and they insert this big term, you know, this big broad term. We want to rank for this term. It's like, oh, have we actually tested that? Have we actually done any research? Have we actually, yeah. So, these are common biases that we fall into. And so, the best way to manage these is, yeah, call them an assumption then test them out of your testing budget. And we've talked about this in the show before, haven't we? It's like have 10% of your advertising budget earmarked as a testing budget just to spend when appropriate. And so you might say, look, we want to test that channel thing that we talked about. Okay, yeah, they probably your B2B clients probably are on LinkedIn, but let's just test it on Facebook and Instagram or Twitter as well. Just see if we get a response and we'll confirm your assumption. And then the two things about that are, one, one advantage is if you test it, and you confirm their their initial assumption, well, great, you've confirmed it. But even better, if you test it and it's disproven, excellent. You've actually got even more channels or whatever to work on. And the third bonus from that is, well, if you've assumed that, your competitors probably have assumed it as well. So possibly by you testing it and finding a channel that you didn't think was going to work, your competitors haven't even bothered to test it and aren't using it. So you've kind of got less crowded field there to play on in some ways. So, look, that's it. Just be wary of your biases. We've chatted about it before and label them as assumptions so that you can test and measure. And this leads us onto our insight of the week, Craig, which is confidence in test and measure. Yeah. So, picking up what we started on the show, talking about these reversals in psychology, which I just think is fascinating. I find human uh, behavior fascinating. I yes, think, I, I think you do too, and a lot of listeners would as well, especially in your, if you're in marketing, you've got this curiosity about how people respond and, and what do they do? What are they thinking, trying to get inside the mind of our audience? And that article by Gavin Leach, which we've linked to, he's listed a whole lot of psychology studies that have been reversed or debunked. And he looks at like, oh, they weren't replicable. They had really small sample sizes. They had variable conditions. And then in some cases, they're like, oh, actually, the students or the 
the people in it that thought they were being tested in the control group actually made up their responses or they deliberately, later on when they interviewed, they deliberately chose the opposite or disobeyed instructions. Like all kinds of problems, which means, yeah, they can't be relied on. So, it's like, right, okay, well, that's great. So, what does that mean for marketers? Well, here's the thing. What it actually highlights is that we can't take studies, I've got air quotes here, in yep. studies as fact. We need to be thoughtful about them. And I don't mean kind of always being a devil's advocate and challenging everything, but just be thoughtful about them before we embrace them as being fact. And that's hard to do because we do fall into traps. We, we read these marketing studies from experts and they often tout big numbers and percentages and all kinds of things that look scientifically credible. But we've actually got to be thoughtful about it because not only is it possible that their testing wasn't rigid and statistically, you know, a, a confident, but their situation might be different to ours. So we always take these as ideas to test ourselves. And so that's the takeaway that I want listeners to be thinking about and being motivated by. If psychology studies can get it wrong, and these are often things that impact life, then marketing studies, which are less rigorously reviewed, can also have problems. And so it's up to us as marketers to take them merely as ideas, test and measure. And that's the beauty of being in digital marketing. You have two things. One, we put this platform and you've talked about all these excellent starting points for landing pages, emails, and things that we can test. That's the first thing. But two, we're really lucky that with the channels that we have access to, paid, social, Google Ads, all of that, we can very economically drive enough traffic to meet statistical confidence requirements. So it's just great to be working in this field as marketers. We can test things. And the final comment I'll say about this, Ian, and uh, then hand to you for your, your comments, is that we can retest because, and this is the other thing we find in marketing, we do a test two years ago, we find one particular outcome, we should test it again because people's behavior changes. Not only do our circumstances change, but people change. And so constant test and measure. And isn't it wonderful that we have tools and platforms that allow A-B testing with such sophistication? I totally agree, Craig. And one of the things I'm going through with customer of ours is who they're selling to has evolved and has changed and they've repositioned themselves. And so it's really interesting going through the process with them to understand, okay, well, we used to deal with these kind of people before, but now we're going to deal with these kind of individuals. What does that mean for the way we're marketing to them? And we're just working through that now. So I think this is very important in the test that we've done so far, like not saying that the test that we've done so far has been negated, but it gives us an opportunity to test some new things or retest some things with, with a new audience and where they're going. So this gives us an opportunity to do that. And I, like I always tell people, if the test fails or it doesn't matter, actually we've learned something from that and it's something we can take away to adapt and change and try something new again. And I think that's the mindset we need to have as marketers is not always try to think we've got to win everything there are times when it is going to fail, but we'll learn from that and we'll move on to the next one. All right, Craig, what's our HubSpot throwback of the week? I was looking through the HubSpot product updates blog as we do each week. And a year ago, they updated workflows to allow cloning and reordering of branch conditions. I totally missed this, Ian. I didn't even know about it. Did you know you can reorder the branch conditions? You just drag you, and drop yeah. them. 
Yes, I was doing that last last week when I had, I had a no workflow idea. problem. Oh, fantastic. And I loved it because previously you would have to almost recreate that action again in the new position, whereas now you can move it up or move it down quite seamlessly. And that is a massive time saver when we're talking about automation and building this out for for people that we work with. Now, listeners, if you get the show notes, you'll see a really interesting what should I say? Animated gift there, Craig? Yeah. We like to put in some little little fun things for the for the readers. All right. And on to our reasons of the week. We have got a Google Analytics 4 overview, and this is another gem from Olga as she walks through a number of Google Analytics 4 reports and tips. And listeners, if you have kind of buried your head in the sand with this, I would recommend you start somewhere because everything will eventually move to Analytics 4. And uh, it is really important you understand how to how it affects you, how you need to implement it, and what you need to do to get on the path to making it work for you. All right, Craig, on to our quote of the week. Nice brief one. Um, have you ever wondered what passion is? You know, people say, oh, I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about HubSpot or whatever. I'm like, passion? Am I passionate? I don't know what that is. Anyways, I saw this great video by Tom uh, Bilyeu during the week. He's got that um, Impact Theory YouTube channel, which I, I'm quite enjoying at the moment. And he simply said, passion is interest plus mastery, which I found really helpful because sometimes I get into these thumps. I'm like, oh, I'm not passionate about anything. It's like, well, what's your definition of passion? It's like interest. Oh, I'm interested in something. Well, I'm interested in HubSpot. Oh, I want to master it, gain mastery in something. So, folks, if you're looking to get more passion in your life, follow your interests and master something. Get really skilled at it. And then that drives passion. All right, and we have some bonus links in the show notes and some big shots. And this is really interesting, listeners. Website visual presentation is important. And Google's John Muller suggests that visual presentation of a website can impact its visibility in the search results. And Craig, I'm sure we've spoken about this before, but here you go. They're telling us now. Yeah, is anyone really surprised? (laughs) Oh, this website looks good. Oh. There's a chance it's a better user experience, ah, which will drive better rankings in time, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't think anyone should be surprised by that. And what's an exception to that, Craig? Oh, well, look, we, we always uh, we pull out our trusty exceptions list, and the Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway site is a classic for this. Although I noticed, Ian, it now works on mobile. That's right. You know, I think we chatted about a year ago, and like it's the ugliest site you can probably come across. Um, it didn't even work on mobile until recently. So, well, at least it has improved a bit. But there's an example of a site that will maybe always that, rank well. Maybe that was a big update, Craig. <laughs> it probably was. <laughs> well, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed the show and we would appreciate if you could share with one of your friends or colleagues that are using HubSpot or considering using HubSpot as that will greatly help us. And again, if you if you want to launch your campaign in HubSpot, we have a 28-day marketing challenge running where we will guide you through launching a campaign in 28 days using HubSpot Marketing Professional. Yeah, register for our August cohort. That's right. And that will remain there. So, you can register for the next cohort that's taking place and we would love your feedback. Well, Craig, until next week. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot. 